Good morning, New Spring family. Put your hands together if you love Jesus and you're just excited to be alive. Uh, if you're relatively new to our New Spring family, hey, great having you here. We really hope and pray uh, you feel at home, uh, you feel seen. Uh, we have free coffee and free hugs and uh, we'd love to uh, help you find a spiritual home if you're looking for one. Uh, my name is Dan Leanne. I'm one of the teaching team here at New Spring Church. And we are into week three of this new series that we started called Secrets of the Kingdom. Uh, it's a series all about the parables that Jesus told specifically in the book of Luke. Uh, a parable is just a story or an illustration that helps us understand a deeper truth. And because Jesus is trying to help us understand what it means to operate within the kingdom of God, this forcefully advancing kingdom of light and hope and help, he uses stories and parables to get us on the same page with him. Now, there are some parables which were told uh, to start basically discussion. They were open-ended uh, question-stirring kind of stories that caused people to go on their own adventure and to work out what Jesus was trying to say. There were also other parables that were told which were incredibly confusing to proud people, but at the same time, a humble child could understand what's going on. Nothing will hold you back from hearing God's voice like pride in your life. That desire to make yourself number one will hold you back from God's best. But if you could walk forward with humility like a child, it's amazing the 4K Ultra HD living color God will reveal to you regarding operating within the kingdom of God. Yet there were also parables which were like a punch in the face. There were no ifs or ands or buts, it was just a a punch in the face. Has anyone been punched in the face? Like straight hit in the face. I've never been hit. Is this not an invitation? Have you been hit in the face? Like was this like at a, an aggressive gymnastics meet? Like, okay, I'm getting it, all right, because like gymnastics is apparently a very, very competitive kind of pursuit. So you've been punched right there in the face. I've never been hit in the face. But today it's gonna feel like being punched in the face lovingly by Jesus. I've never been punched. When I think of getting punched in the face, I think of 1960s and 70s Batman. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? 60s and 70s Batman. No, put your hands down. You Gen Z's got no idea about 60s and 70s Batman. You only got like the Christopher Nolan, you know, Christian, but I am Batman. No, no, no. This, this is the real, let me show you the real Batman. This dude. This dude. Side note, could you imagine being mid-crime? and this dude shows up. <laughs> so like a slightly overweight dude in like some gray tights. And every single time Batman would throw a punch, this is the sound or the noise or the graphic that would happen, a pow, okay? Uh, today was meant to feel like a pow to the face. And just forewarning, this will make you feel uncomfortable. It was meant to make you feel uncomfortable. Forewarning, for some of y'all who are just looking for a little bit of a shoulder rub from Uncle Dan, this ain't that today. Today is gonna feel like 1960s fat Batman punching you in the mouth going pow. I'll show it to you. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of Luke chapter 14? 
Luke chapter 14, verse 25. The Bible says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, hmm, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple, pal. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Bam. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Kapow. Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would help us by your spirit understand what you're doing here in this text. Through these parables, through these stories, through these illustrations, help us understand what you are asking of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's gonna to center around this simple question. Do you want to be his disciple? At the end of your life, you will find yourself standing before King Jesus, giving an account for your life, and you will find yourself one of three kinds of people. This is a hard truth to swallow, but we here at New Spring Church love you enough to tell you the truth if it's from the Bible, so start chewing, and I pray that you can swallow it because he's letting you know at the end of time, you will find yourself either as someone who has rejected the love of God. He has expressed his grace in your direction through a blood-stained cross. He is inviting you into a new life through an empty tomb but you have rejected the love of God and you will spend an eternity away from him. Now, some of you all might say, well, all my friends are in this hellish place. It'll be like a party forever. No, wherever God isn't, there is no light. There is no love. There is no connection. There's definitely no party. It is hell. Now, some people would say, why is God sending people to hell? He sends no one to hell. We choose by our decision to reject his gift of love. So in a crazy kind of way, hell is a provision from God for people who choose to reject his love. Now we'll hear it all the time. Might see it on social media. Hey, we should just love each other because aren't we all God's children? Sounds nice, it's just not in the Bible. The Bible makes it clear, we are all loved by God. We are all valued by God. We were all made in his image. 
We're all knit together in our mother's womb by God's hand, but the children of God must receive his free gift of life that comes through a bloodstained cross and an empty tomb. There are some who will reject God and choose to spend eternity apart from him. Yet there's another category of people. Some people will stand before Jesus one day as the saved. I felt God knocking at my heart's door. I opened up my heart to him and I received his life. The Bible says if we confess with our lips and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, he was crucified, he was buried, he rose again, we will be saved. There's no half saving, there's no salvation on layaway, there's no like kind of, hey, you know what, like I'm putting a down payment on my salvation and if I can get my sins together and work stuff out, in an instant, in a moment, you are crossed over from death into life, from darkness into glorious light, you are saved. But now begins the question, what will you do with your new life? And unfortunately, there are way too many people after receiving salvation, they treat it like a fire insurance policy <laughs> that one day when I stand before God, I'm cool with him, but you waste your opportunity to live and to use your new resurrected life. I think in 1 Corinthians chapter three, this is talked about when the apostle Paul says, some of us will be saved, but like ones escaping through flames. One day we're going to find ourselves entering into eternal life, a new heaven and a new earth, but we'll think about our life and everything we thought was valuable will be burnt away. The certificates on the wall, the trophies in our cabinet, the fame that we acquired, the influence that we had, everything we thought that was the most important thing in life will be burned away in the light of eternity. It'll be revealed as something which it really is, momentary and temporary. Yet there's a third kind of person, and I pray in the name of Jesus that we here at New Spring Church would be full of these kinds of people, not just people who receive salvation, but actually do something with this new life they are given. They don't just experience amazing grace, they spend their life sharing amazing grace with everyone around them. The kind of person who Jesus talks about here in Luke chapter 14, he's talking about a disciple. A disciple is someone who says yes to Jesus every single day. I like to put it this way. Salvation comes when you say yes to Jesus at that moment in your life, but discipleship happens when you say yes to Jesus every single day. I say yes to your will. Yes to your glory, yes to your plan, yes to your timing, yes to your purpose. That everyday yes turns us into disciples. That's the reason we here at New Spring Church always talk about an everyday relationship. Everyone, everywhere, in an everyday relationship. Why? Because we want you to make the most of this glorious life Jesus came so far to give you. To not live as a disciple, serving Jesus in your days, 
seems like the greatest waste. It's like getting a ticket to the game and walking through the turnstiles, but standing there at the entrance and never getting to watch the game or responding to the call from the coach to get into the game, to, to run a couple of plays, to make a little bit of a difference. It seems like such a waste, but so many waste. It's so beautiful, an invitation do something with this glorious salvation that you've been granted. Be a disciple. You know why? Because disciples get to be transformed. When you receive this invitation to be a disciple of Jesus, the teacher and the master, we're saying, I want to walk like you. I want to talk like you. I want to love like you. There's brokenness in my life. Would you heal it through this relationship? There's some insecurity that, that robs me of my peace. I want to find my identity in you as I walk with you. There is so much in a discipleship relationship with Jesus. How cool is it to think that you get to partner with Jesus in the earth? I know that you look like I look at a world that's gone crazy. I know that you feel despair like I feel despair when I see this kingdom of darkness humming in culture. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of just yelling at the darkness. I wanna be a part of an army of light led by King Jesus. Discipleship drags us into the darkest spaces with light, the deadest of spaces with life. When you become a disciple, you get to partner with Jesus. Whatever he's up to, you get to be a part of it every single day. It gets better. When you are partnered with Jesus, then all the questions about your purpose and your meaning and why you're here on earth get answered in an instant. Because forevermore, your response is Jesus's name and Jesus's glory. You might find yourself selling used cars. You might find yourself at an early morning workout. You might find yourself running a successful business. You might find yourself starting a brand new business. You might find yourself raising three kids at home by yourself, but you will never be without purpose because you know whatever you're doing is done for the glory of Jesus. And this answers once and for all that question about purpose. There's partnership and there's purpose and there's power. Disciples were invited to live a life empowered by God. How many people need a little bit more power in their life? I need a little bit more strength in my life. I need a little bit more sleep in my nights, come on. But there is power and strength, ability and gift that is promised to those who partner with Jesus in his mission in the earth. So let me ask you this question again. Do you want to be his disciple? For that is not a rhetorical question. That is not an automatic outcome. Jesus makes it clear here. Surrounded by a crowd, it says in Luke chapter 14. Understand that the crowd in this room right now is not anything uncommon. Wherever Jesus was, people were. Who's this fascinating teacher? This miracle worker, I heard he fed 20,000 people with a handful of subways. I heard that he raised a dead guy back to life. I heard that he opened the eyes of the blind. I'm very interested in this Jesus guy. So there was always a crowd swirling around him, asking the same question. What am I gonna get? What am I gonna glean? What am I gonna gain from this guy? Jesus fully understanding this stops 
the Bible says, and turns around and addresses the crowd with some punches to the face. Not out of frustration, not because he had a bad night's sleep, not because he had a short temper, but because he loved us enough to tell us the truth that even though salvation comes for free, making the most of this new life you've been given will cost you your entire life. And he gives them the full disclaimer. He tells them that if you're gonna follow me, you've gotta hate your mother and father, your brother and your sister, even your own life. I could imagine people pushing back from that. So counterintuitive. I love my wife, I love my children, I love my parents. What are you saying here, Jesus? Is he saying to dishonor our family? In no way, shape or form. No, he's just trying to use our families as, as an illustration. As close as you feel to your brothers and your sisters, your mothers and your fathers, so your connection with me must be. Total and absolute devotion. He goes further to say that following him, being a disciple, will feel like carrying a cross, but more about that later. And then he talks about how before you start this journey with him, you would do well to count the full cost, to recognize the ramifications, the implications, the complications of being a real disciple of King Jesus in the earth because he uses the illustration of someone building a building but not being able to complete it. It's foolish. Starting a fight that you've got no chance of winning, you should seek terms of peace. And he's saying that you have your best chance of finishing this journey with him as a true disciple if you count the cost at the beginning. Many people stop, many people turn away, many people backtrack because they did not count the cost. And I wanna take some personal responsibility for some of that. I know for me as a traveling speaker, I have for many years put so much emphasis on people lifting their hands and praying a prayer and walking forward. Like some of it is genuine, some of it is, I wanna see you cross over from death to life, but Full disclosure, some of it is personal. I like the feeling of seeing people respond to what I'm saying. So I'll get the lights turned down low. I'll have a keyboardist up there playing minor chords that make us feel receptive, responsive, and a little weepy. And then I'll say something like, if you're sad, if you're mad, if you're angry at your dad for all the things you never had. And I'll just get people. <laughs> what happens is people lift their hand, they walk forward, but I just feel as a people of God, as a New Spring family, we have to, with the same kind of energy, tell people about how now you get to live a life of partnership and of purpose, of promise and of power as we now lay down our all for the glory of the King who gave his all for us. Isn't he beautiful? Just love how he took the time to give us the full disclaimer. American medical commercials are wild, very different than in Australia. We can sell drugs and we don't have to tell you what it does to you. Not in America, because you're all suing each other at any given point. And so when you, when, I remember when I first started seeing medication commercials, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like Sky Rizzy or like um, Ozempic and 
it's, it's a diabetes medication, people, just for the record. And, and, um, and so there were always these disclaimers in the commercials. You know what I'm saying? Like, they'll be there and telling about, oh, this is what it does, and it clears the skin up and all that kind of stuff. And then it would always, like, flick into something really dark. This may cause blindness and swelling. This may cause increasing symptoms. Wait a second, aren't I taking this to get rid of my symptoms? This may cause death. You know? <laughs> but here's the kicker. Whenever you see the medical disclaimers, what happens? They try to distract you. Because what happens, all of a sudden, during the commercial, there are children now running around a field full of flowers. There's now like a puppy in the commercial. Like now that the sprinklers are going off and everyone's dancing together and hugging each other. And Jesus does not try to distract you. He calls your attention to this punch in the mouth that actually brings true life. Do you wanna be his disciple? Total and absolute devotion. Carry your cross. Count the cost. When you start, start knowing this will take your all by his grace for his glory. If you can't bring everything to the table, take another lap. Ponder the proposition because being a disciple means your all. So when he said carrying a cross is like discipleship and discipleship is like carrying a cross, what did he mean by that? We have a challenge. See, 2,000 years ago when Jesus said being a disciple should feel like, will feel like carrying a cross, everybody got it. It was like the clearest, best illustration. Because 2,000 years ago, everyone had seen someone carrying a cross. Every teenager was told by their parent, hey, you keep running with that crowd, you're gonna end up a criminal and you're gonna end up carrying a cross. 2,000 years later, we don't carry many crosses around anymore. A cross is a, is a tattoo design. A cross might be like a religious relic that sat in the corner of that little church that you grew up in. What does it really mean to carry a cross? So what I wanna do in my remaining minutes with you is try to dig down a little deeper, swing a little harder, connect a little bit more powerfully. This whole idea of what it means to be a disciple is like carrying a cross. What does it mean to pick up your cross? And we're gonna do this in a physical and a practical way by me picking up a cross. Do you wanna be a disciple? This is what it'll mean. First and foremost, I need you to write this down if you're scribbling down notes. If you have like an iPhone or an iPad or an Android device, open up the appropriate application and scribble this down as well. If you wanna videotape this later on, for review, you can do that as well. You're also gonna catch the footage of the day that I permanently damaged my spine, so that might be a good idea as well. So what does it mean to be a disciple? You carry your cross. First and foremost, it means complete surrender. 2,000 years ago, when someone was carrying a cross, it meant there was no more running, there was no more hiding, there were no more appeals. You were sentenced to death, and not only a death penalty that would take your life, but a death penalty, death penalty that would be an illustration 
to everyone around that this person has surrendered. I don't know about you, but I hate the concept of surrender. I'm like a competitive guy. Whatever it is, I'm like just competitive. Like if, it's, if, we're, if we're playing basketball, I'm a terrible basketball player, okay? But I will scratch, I will bite, I will trip. I, I do not care. God did not make me for basketball. These tiny little legs, I, I, I've got like a three-inch vertical, but I'm telling you now, if we played one-on-one, you would feel like we played one-on-one. And I may lose on the scoreboard, but you will lose a ligament or two in this competition because I hate surrendering. I hate surrendering in a fight. Even when I know I'm wrong, I will just keep on fighting and keep on fighting and keep on fighting until they think that I'm, you know what I'm saying? I hate surrender. That's the reason discipleship is so hard for me. I don't like surrender. I like supplementation. I like a little bit of Jesus, but just enough to keep me going. I don't like total surrender. Here's the only problem. Discipleship doesn't work until you surrender. Here's my life. Here's my future. Here's my dreams. Here's my plans. Here's my money. Here's my influence. Here's my family. Here's my marriage. Discipleship is giving Jesus full access to every part of your life. And until you give full access to Jesus, to every part of your life, you're missing out on what it's really like to be a disciple. Because he wants to get the good stuff, your gifts and your talents, your strengths, your abilities and your experiences. He also wants to take the brokenness, the hurt, the shame, the addiction. He wants to take every part of your being. Surrender is the first step in discipleship. Number two, constant conforming. We bend around the cross. It doesn't bend around us. Has anyone ever broken an arm or a leg before? Lift your hand high in the sky. Have you ever broken a bone? Are you broken a bone? Are you, are you broken a bone? What did you break before? You broken a hand? You broken a foot? What are you broken? A leg? Like a, the, the, the big thigh part of your leg? Or the, the little, like, little like metatarsal kind of situation? The thigh? You broke a thigh? That's a big bone, bro. What do they put on that thigh? They put like a cast on it, didn't they? Why? Because if you don't put a cast on something that is broken, it'll heal crooked. And all of us by birth are crooked. That's the reason God sends his son Jesus to die on a cross, to offer us life, to grant us the Holy Spirit, to invite us into relationship because it'll feel like a cast on our soul. And this will help us in so many ways. It'll help us with our fears It'll help us with our insecurities. It'll help us with our brokenness. It'll help us with our negative proclivities. But at the same time, it'll challenge us. There are times where I just want to do my own thing, but knowing that I have a friendship with Jesus and I've picked up my cross and I bend around it, it, it. there are times where I will speak to Krista in a dishonorable way. I'm not going to lose my temper. I'm not cussing, but I just know that that ain't the way to speak to a daughter of God. And I'll have to stop and turn around and say, hey, babe, I'm sorry about that. Forgive me. There are times where I'll see a need in someone around me. And even though I want to be like the Pharisee or the Levite that just crosses over on the other side of the road, I'm compelled to be a good Samaritan and to offer some generosity, to offer some help, to offer a hand. I don't want to do it in my selfish nature, but carrying a cross 
causes me to bend around it. Actually, here's a really good test on whether or not you are walking a disciple's life. When's the last time your relationship with Jesus messed with your agenda? When's the last time your relationship with Jesus had you going, okay, you're right. Has it been a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years? Have you never felt that feeling? Well, if you've never felt it or you haven't felt it for a long time, I would submit to you that you're trying to make this thing bend around you, not you around it. Discipleship is about constant conforming. It's also about increasing noticeability. Can I just give you a heads up? If you really wanna be a Jesus person, everyone's gonna see it. And the longer you go with Jesus, the more people are gonna notice it. It's gonna be the loudest thing about you. You might be known for something right now, but you start carrying a cross, give it enough time. You won't be known for your skill or your gift or your talent. You'll be known as the person who's carrying around a cross. Why? Because it was a giant lump of wood that everyone could see. It wasn't a shiny golden diamond encrusted piece of jewelry you could shove in your shirt and do a button up depending on your context. It was something that everybody saw. Increasing noticeability. I had a friend of mine send me a social media clip a couple of weeks ago uh, of a group of students on a college campus. And the purpose of the clip was to show how Christians weren't weird, they're just like ordinary, everyday people. And they were interviewing friends of Christians and they kept saying stuff like, oh, they're so cool, they're just like me, oh, they're so cool and normal, they're just like me, oh, they're so cool, they're so normal. That made my heart break because I'm not gonna spend my entire life trying to fit in with people who aren't following Jesus. I'm not gonna worship at the altar of relevance and acceptance. I hate to break the news to you. If you're carrying around a cross, you're the weird kid in your class. If you really believe that Jesus Christ came to earth, died on a cross, was buried in the tomb, overcame sin and death, and is coming back again, you're weird. So just accept it. Increasing noticeability. And fourthly, it's forever. Everyone who carried a cross 2,000 years ago went up a hill and they never came back. We live in a day and an age where we love the instant and the temporary. We want things now but for only so long. We, you know what I'm saying? Like we went prime, prime today. Not today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna elevate, I'm prime one day. We want things now, at the same time, we only want things for a period of time because I want it for a period of time and then I want something new. Carrying a cross was permanent, it was forever. It was for your high school years. And you're just trying to work out where you're sitting at the lunch table and just kind of feeling weird and awkward and out of place and it's learning how to follow Jesus and carry your cross even when people at school might think it's strange. It's in your college years where people are telling you, hey, just go crazy, man, just do your thing. You, hey, these are the years to live it up. And I hate it when older people tell college kids, live it up, these are the best days of your life. 
Because that's like discouraging and depressing. If this is it, don't tell me that. No, no, use these years of choosing your path forward to make sure that Jesus is the scope, the cross is the target. I'm going to live a life unto his glory because life moves quick. Take two breaths, blink twice. You're an old person like me. Do not waste it. Set your life on a trajectory towards the glory of King Jesus. Come on, where are my people here with young families? Who's got like young kids here? Young kids, oh, I'm feeling for you. I remember those days, no sleep. Team, no sleep. I'm right there with you. But do not give up the zeal that you had as a college student, as a young family live unto the glory of God. Where are the people like me, nearly empty nesters? Who's got like older teenagers? They're nearly, they're nearly God, man. Hey, the cash is gonna free up real quick, homie. I'm telling you, just, just, just hold on, hold on. But do not use your new freedom as an empty nester just to do your own thing. Come on, come with the same kind of energy you had as a college student and now with effort and with energy, use it until the glory of God, amen? Where are my older people here? Where are my retired people at? Retire? You're not old enough to be retired. Put your hands down. Where are my retired people at? Come on, put my hands up. Say, yeah, good. None of you should be retired. No such thing, just refiring, you know what I'm saying? We get busy for the glory of God, seeing eternity coming upon us. Come on. Do you want to be his disciple? Well, pick up a cross. Yeah, it's gonna require surrender. But most of us already know we're not in control in the world anyway. So give up that figment of your imagination and trust your life into the hands of Jesus, who, side note, is in control of everything in the universe. Be conformed. Trust me. The life bent around King Jesus is a beautiful portrait indeed. There will be increasing noticeability. People are going to see it. Some will reject it. But what a glorious proposition to be, no, to be most known for my friendship with Jesus. And it's forever. People will walk away. But you'll keep on walking forward, giving him your everyday yes. So as you wrap up our time, that's what I want to challenge you in. Where is your yes today? For some people, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. All of this is just songs and lights and just another talk and just another box to check. I'm here to let you know that Christianity isn't about a dead religion. It's about a living relationship you can have with Jesus every single day. And it begins with giving him your yes by opening up your heart to him. But like I mentioned before, that's just the beginning. Your yes, once upon a time, brings, brings you from death to life. Come on, your yes every day brings life into your world and everyone around you. But maybe for some people in this room, you're saying, I wanna start with Jesus today. Well, in a few moments time, I'm gonna invite you to maybe slip out of your seat and to find yourself with a leader by the cross. Just one of our ministry teams and where they're gonna start moving around now 
Maybe you might want to connect with someone by the cross. For some of us, we're going to give. There are way too many people over the last couple of years and all the pressures going on in the world, you try to grab hold of the steering wheel. And, and God's been challenging you about putting him first in every area of your life, including and especially your finances, but you've been giving him your no. Stop it. Give him your yes. We're gonna bring our tithe and our offering. For others, we're going to come and receive communion because of what he did that gave us new life as we take that, this is a yes that we will now live out our new life for his glory and the world's good. So in a few moments time, we are all going to respond with our version of a yes. And then tomorrow, come on, a yes. Tuesday morning, a yes. Come on, Wednesday, yeah? Yes, come on. Thursday's tough butter? Yes. Even Friday? A yes. Friday night? Yes. Discipleship is simply giving him your everyday, everywhere yes. Can someone say a good amen to that? Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you've started. By your spirit, complete what you have begun. Help us Make the most of this new life you came so far to give. Hear our hearts as we respond to that question. Do you want to be a disciple? Our hearts are booming. Yes.